Bemrose.com. There's a bounty out. Hello and welcome to episode 131 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, February 1st, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where only 20 people were shot this weekend because we got like uh, 10 inches of snow. And from America's left coast, where Silicon Valley owns you, your user profile, your marketing data and your soul. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, if they own me, doesn't that mean they're responsible for my bills, my debt, all that stuff? Yes, but they they pass it on to you. <laughs> well, that's convenient. That's like no, no, that's not convenient at they, all. They provide you several easy payment options. I mean, if I'm going to be somebody, you, you can use an app. They should take care of me. I I don't want to deal with paying for my own stuff if I'm going to be owned. That sounds like I mean, slavery. That's not how slavery works. Yeah, I thought I thought <laughs> slavery was bad. What's wrong? Uh, yeah, it, it is unless you uh, contributed a great deal to a particular political campaign and then it's totally OK. Yeah, OK, I can I can live got, with that. So <laughs> with that answer, I mean, well, I mean, it's as good as any, right? <laughs> well, uh, there, there there is uh, I have exactly one story in my notes about uh, the U.S. government coming down on a Silicon Valley uh, entrepreneur for doing something the government didn't like. and. Would you like to guess which entrepreneur it is? That said, an entrepreneur that did something Silicon Valley doesn't like? No, that, that the government didn't like. Oh, that the government didn't like. Well, that's like all of them, I thought. I mean, depending on well, which no, government. No, because most of them contributed to the Democrats. No. I mean, there's one that didn't? Well, I, I don't know where Elon Musk puts his money, uh, but the DOJ is now investigating SpaceX, or this is... Uh, uh, they are investigating SpaceX. Uh, they filed a complaint alleging that the company prefers hiring Americans over non-citizens. Wow. Is, I, is that not the most Biden thing you've ever heard? So, so they're doing the wrong thing by hiring people in a country where the people that they're hiring are legally there. That's bad. Yeah, yeah. They're, they are hiring. They are pre- preferential hiring and they are preferring citizens of the country that they're in over people with H-1Bs or visas or who just jumped over the border wall. I, I'm, yeah, that seems to be the case. Yeah, nothing makes a whole lot of sense. That is, uh, that the, is the problem. Yeah, the, the article that I read actually tried to tile it to, or tie, it, tie it to uh, a criticism that Elon made only a couple hours later. I think that's bull because the Department of Justice can't even, I mean, they can't even fire off an email in a couple hours, let alone create a complaint. So this was coming for a while. But uh, right before that, Elon uh, tweeted, he said, uh, of the FAA, uh, said, uh, the FAA rules are meant for a handful of expendable launches per year from a few government facilities. Under these rules, humanity will never get to Mars. And he was complaining that he does not like the FAA regulation 
that is preventing him from doing all of the launches that he wants in order to get the SpaceX moving, you know, faster than a glacier. Are you signed up to go to Mars? You ready for that trip? I, well, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I thought Mars is like completely uninhabitable. And uh, so is this planet. Die. Have you not been paying attention? Well, the planet's okay. It's the people yeah. that are the problem. That's, oh, that's uh, okay, the whole well, Green the, New Deal. The, just get the, rid of the people. left coast is uninhabitable. No, that may be. That may be the case. There's a lot of things going on, and a lot of them are just uh, trying to disrupt, I think, is the word of this year. I mean, we're in February now. Can you believe that? This is February. We've already made it through I, January. I, I feel like the last 12 months have been Groundhog Day, and then I look at the calendar, and I'm like, fuck, it's coming around again. Yeah. Disrupt, disrupt, disrupt with all of this stuff. I mean, and we the obvious which was the rioting and looting that was all to disrupt. I mean, there was nobody disrupting the presidential election here with the way they gave you search results or the news that they steered you away. No, but uh, now we have a big disruption in Wall Street, and it's an interesting thing to watch this whole GameStop thing. You know, we talked about it a little bit last time. It's still going on, and the concept, which I'm still not too sure where I want to come down on this because it's like, okay, I get we want to be all for the little man. You know, I get it. We want to be for the average Joe because that's where we fall into the world. So that's that's our peeps. And I get why the people that are the multi-billionaires are like, no, no, this is this is screwing with the system. And the way I look yeah, at it, well, though, the is, system is rigged. Screwing with it is precisely what they intend. Well, I mean, the the thing is, a lot of people have retirement and all this tied up in the stock market. So a whole the oh, yeah. concept yeah, of a stock it's market crashing. My, it's screwing over my IRA right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. And it's like there are regular people who have investments that I don't want to see the whole stock market crash and crumble. I mean, I do want to see a level. I mean, just like we could dare relate this to the election. I want to see things that are fair and done correctly, where everybody has the equal chance of doing well. You know, and if you make a bad decision, then not doing well. And this the whole game stop concept, which is okay. We all know we have a failing company. We're all going to throw so much money into it that the stock price is going to skyrocket. And it's it's doing a Bitcoin thing, too, which is it's going up and down in such massive swings so quickly that, I mean, you if you want to make money doing this, uh, you probably don't want to get involved. This is, again, gambling. And the end result is it's going to go back down to zero. I think Bitcoin is too. People will argue with me about that. Uh, but the, the stock market? Well, the GameStop stock oh. is because, I mean, from. Well, so I, I sat next to uh, a man at the on Saturday evening at the No Agenda meetup, which I found out was was not just No Agenda. It was also billed as a uh, an ANCAP, ANCAP agorist meetup. So there were a lot of people and there. What is that? Um, well, ANCAP is anarcho-capitalist and agorist is, you know, I'm not really sure the troll room's probably going to tell me, but it has something to do with, uh, effectively wanting to live the hell away from a bunch of, of people trying to run your lives from a government organization. So I mean, the Seattle area was a great place to find these people. 
I, well, I, I, the only person who hassled me about wearing a face diaper happened to be the lady who worked there, who was incredibly frustrated that we would not sit down at the tables with only five to a table. And uh, we kept standing up in the area uh, that we kept violating Jay Inslee's COVID rules, um, that there were too many people and there was more seating inside. If we wanted to come inside, we're like, no, because your rules are even stricter inside. We, it was, it was raining like crazy. It was about, uh, 45 degrees Fahrenheit and all of us were just chatting along and generally behaving as though it was 2019 again. It was a great time. Well, that's interesting. I mean, (laughs) I know everything is being lifted now, at least in the uh, Chicago area here. And I think it's going to go quickly because they went from you can't do any indoor dining. Although, as we talked about here, a lot of restaurants were ignoring the governor's order. And I think this is the way it's been in a bunch of areas across the United States, which the concept of you can't do these things they were never laws. And that's the most interesting thing about this stuff is, you know, no, even they, the mass dictatorial orders. They're from, not right. They're not them. laws. There's nothing yeah. that is. You, what are they going to arrest you for if you're not wearing a mask? I mean, a business could ask you to leave and you would have to respect that. Otherwise, you'll be arrested for trespassing. But the whole concept that not wearing a mask will get you arrested, at least until laws are passed. Not the case. But here in the uh, Chicago area now, they're open, you know, and now. Even though all the restaurants were ignoring the government order, I mean, they're still doing the, well, you can only open at 25% capacity. It's like you couldn't keep the people from opening at all. So how do you think you're going to enforce capacity? And again, freedom, people can decide if they don't want to go into a restaurant. You don't have to. Nobody's forcing you to go into one. Uh, This was this was our first real experience with with actual humans in, in a physical space that we didn't know in quite a while. And it was a great experience and we really enjoyed it. And it happened to also be at a brew pub. So lots of beer was flowing. Um, although, uh, <laughs> I, like I said, the, the one person that hassled me about wearing a face diaper, she said, well, I, you know, I walked in she's like, well, if you're, if you're standing up, you have to be wearing a mask. I'm like, well, I just want some, I just want a pint of beer. Can you serve that to me? Well, not if you're not wearing a mask. Okay, then you're not getting my business, bitch. Well, so you're saying everybody else that was there was wearing a mask? Uh, Most of the people there were putting on face diapers for the purpose of standing up, walking in and getting beers. And some of them were very generous in bringing beers. So I had a couple, but I did not get drunk. (laughs) But I mean, the, the crowd that was there when you were mulling around, talking to the folks, they were masked or not masked at the time? No, when when we were talking, uh, okay. so the the Inslee rules have always been uh, if you are seated at your table and there's, you know, strict restrictions about how far the tables can be from each other. And by the way, we dragged them together, of course, uh, and how many people can sit at a table. But then if you are seated at a table, then you don't have to be wearing the mask that anytime you are standing up or between tables or moving around you're supposed to be wearing a face diaper which very few people did the weird rule so so the the for the most part there was not a single mask on while we were all outside chatting which felt really good i was able to see people's faces well because you're including outside, sir billy if it was raining, was i'm guessing there was wind a little at least 
There was a little bit. They had some pretty impressive uh, tarp tent stuff set up. I mean, we've had we've been under these restrictions for uh, three quarters of a year now. So businesses have got a pretty good handle on what it takes to set up, quote unquote, outdoor dining or in, you know, make make outdoor dining almost look like indoor. So they had the kind of tents that that have the the full side walls. So there was there was water running under our feet and there was the occasional breeze coming in but mostly it, it just it would hit the top of the tent really hard you know they they actually had two tents next to each other and a gutter system set up for the space in between them cuz the when the rain came down um it was pretty slick I, I anyways really enjoyed it the the reason i brought it up was that i sat next to somebody who uh has been following this uh, Robin Hood GameStop thing way closer than I did. And he had some interesting theories. I like theories. Uh, which were, well, um, so the gist of what he had was basically the same thing that Adam Curry said on No Agenda yesterday. But uh, some of the Grumpy Old Ben's listeners don't listen religiously to No Agenda. You probably should, but, but I get it. Their show is even longer than ours. Um, but uh, the. <laughs> The gist of it is uh, that it has nothing to do with GameStop and that it was all about uh, a couple people had noticed. In fact, um, do you do you remember a movie called The Big Short? Um, Vaguely, vaguely. It was about the 2008 subprime mortgage crisis and uh, one person in particular who invented the idea of shorting the mortgage market. And made an incredible amount of money. Uh, it was played by Christian Bale in the movie, and I totally forget the guy's name. Um, but anyways, that guy who who kind of came up with the idea of well, what if we buck against Wall Street and make a ton of money on it? He was apparently the one who went into the Reddit forum and said, uh, "Okay, all of these hedge funds are betting on a few companies to completely die, and this is another way that you know." millionaires and billionaires be- make more money off of you guys because if you have a couple pieces of stock in this company they're shorting it and it's going to completely destroy the stock value of the company etc cetera, etc cetera. had nothing to do with GameStop other than that was a company which uh, because of changes in business model uh, they are not doing well right. so they're the new blockbuster come on <laughs> well yeah uh well, and there's a lot of companies out there now. Um, GameStop's not the only one now. Now it's going all over the place, which is an expansion of the story. In fact, I'm pretty sure that in the last three hours that everything has picked up again. I don't have stories on that, so I'm only reporting what I knew as of Saturday. But the entire idea was uh, very large corporate hedge funds, which is full of boomer billionaires, uh, people who are getting richer and richer when you, the millennials can't even find a job because your liberal arts degrees are not welcome anywhere. You know, there are a lot of very, of young people out there who the financial train left and they are completely disillusioned and I can't blame them. They want to see they're, they're people, young people today. A lot of them are no longer trying to become part of the system. You know, when, when you and I were young, it was all about, uh, you know, here, look at what you can do. And the American dream of if 
you know, you could make it rich too if you just work hard and get into this system. But that's not the American dream anymore. People know the system is rigged. People know that the billionaires don't want more billionaires because that means less money for them. So there is a pervasive, especially in places like Reddit. Yeah, but it's not not that rigged. I mean, there's a lot of people who've gone from zero to that's the general opinion that the system is rigged. Uh, it, it, and, and there is, there's absolutely, uh, plenty of evidence that there, you know, there are places where if you are, if you are not already wealthy, then it's a lot harder to get more wealth. And that's, but that, that's well, always is. been the system. That's not, right. that's not just the system today. It's always been like that. It's, and if you uh, work I mean, the, and you get a job, like you said, you have a, uh, you know, IRA, 401k, whatever it is that then gets tied up in the stock market. It's, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing, because if you want to make those arguments, there's a lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck, who never save a dollar. And then they want to point to everybody else and say the system is rigged. And, and maybe oh, yeah. it is to a certain extent. But I know a lot of people who went the other route who didn't live above their means and people live above their means, whether you make 10 bucks an hour or a thousand dollars an hour. I mean, we've seen enough of these celebritards and the sports figures who make billions of dollars or at least millions. And then the minute their career's over, it's like, Oh, what I spent all that. I didn't, well, how did that happen? And for those who actually had uh, some sense to go, well, you know, if I'm making 50,000 a year, maybe I should try to be able to put, you know, five, $10,000 of that away rather than spending it on Starbucks and cell phones and all this other kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't really feel sorry for the people in a lot of <laughs> cases that just decide to, you know, this is again, the kind of the concept, I'm going to blow all my money. And then when I realize I don't have any, when something like COVID hit, I mean, this is where we're seeing this because everything was upended and people are all of a sudden out of work. And it's like, well, what's in your rainy day fund? And it's like, huh? It's like, come on. My my rainy, it's been raining for a long damn time. Even the people who had rainy day funds are kind of looking around going, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, whether or not you consider the system to have been set up rigged right now, it's being rigged by a, a large number of, of dictators who, claim that just because they got 51% of the votes in an area that gives them a mandate to completely destroy the economy in name of communism, that feels pretty damn rigged to me. The funny thing is I do agree with everything you said that, that people who have a, a poor work ethic or a poor ethic for saving are definitely not in, in a great position. These people were generally not, a lot of them were not taught to save anymore. I'm not sure what exactly people were taught. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of things that that I feel like you and I were taught when we were young because it was part of school, and now right. it had to be you know, things like home economics all got bumped out of school in favor of of you know gender equality or something. So there, I, okay, just bear with me for a moment. I'm actually trying to have one segment where I'm not completely bashing on millennials and telling them that they all suck. <laughs> okay. But before that, uh, and, if you are a millennial, if you're like in high school now, college, and a lot of these things we're saying, you're like, well, this is true or this is untrue that you were never taught this. And this is what school is, did or did not teach you to do. Reach out. Let us know. We'd love to hear those stories. Oh, no doubt. So put your mind in the mindset of a Redditor. Okay. Actually Ooh. not. 
Oh, maybe, no. maybe that's it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not that much. Okay. Uh, but uh, th- these are people who have uh, generally been taught that uh, the the system is rigged. That uh, you know all the trains have left the station. You can't get in. Um, everything about it is now just billionaires going to make more. Nobody was taught home economics. They don't understand the concept of saving money. Actually, a lot of the people in this particular forum do because they had taken a lot of their savings. Either way, what what I'm trying to establish here, and and it's taken a very long time to get to this point is that there is an impressive amount of resentment amongst a large number of people in the group that started this where they don't even care per se. They're not in it to make money, which by the way, that is the fundamental assumption that is made in wall street that everyone who steps in is in it to get money. And the major disruptive thing about this is that there is a pervasive opinion amongst the group of people, they are going out and saying, you know, we're taking our $600 government stimulus check or whatever, and they are buying up a stock and they're a not going to sell it. Stock. Almost, not quite worthless. What the stock represents is, is again, the, this all represents a, a large number of very, very wealthy people who are seeking to get even wealthier. Uh, we're trying to short GameStop. And you know, you know what a short is. It's where you, you, you buy it at a particular price. Now you borrow at a particular price now with a promise to sell it back later. And the assumption that it goes down. And when it goes down, then you're buying low and selling high and making money on it. That's I'm probably not describing this very well, but I don't play wall street because I've had math experience. Well, see, having seen that's it, having the math experience, I've never been able to wrap my brain around shorting and how you make money when a company loses or anything that you're investing in. It doesn't have to be a company. The same thing uh, with, you know, the, the cryptos, it's the exact same way. I just can't wrap my head around it. The, well, the, the short version is that, that big finance, especially things like the stock market are, are only about 20% math. And most of it is the psychology of large groups and, and a little bit of faith in you, know, you, you have to decide what's going to go up, what's going to go down. Um, let me see if I can explain what a short is. Cause you're probably not the only person listening to this. Uh, if, if you know that a stock is going to go down, or at least you believe that it is, um, what you can do is you, you make a promise to the market, wherever that is, that you are going to, you you are effectively going to borrow at the current price. You are going to borrow X shares of the stock today with the promise to pay back in X days at that price. And then you, you sell those, you, you never actually hold the stock because what you do is you take that promise to borrow and you sell it immediately and you get money at, today's price for selling those shares that you haven't actually purchased yet because you just made a promise to borrow. And then in a couple days, if the price has gone down, then you buy up the shares of stock at the new lower price and immediately flip those back to reimburse the person you borrowed it from. And if the stock goes way up, 
it, and that's the problem. Uh, the problem with a short sale is that if the stock goes up instead, you are now contractually beholden to purchase. You, you, I mean, the, the contract says you will be purchasing at whatever the price is, period. Uh, and if the, if it goes down, then you're purchasing at a lower price and therefore you made money. But if you, if you are contractually required to purchase at a higher price because the stock went up, then you've now lost whatever the difference is uh, in the margin. And in some cases, if you put out shorts, uh, the contracts will compound themselves such that it'll force you to buy more at the higher price than you sell. And and this is a part that I have trouble wrapping myself around, but effectively what it means is that in order to cover your contractually guaranteed losses, you have to buy more stock, which can cause you if the whole thing keeps going up to enter into a cycle where you're, you know, if, if it goes up and up and up, you might end up in a cycle where you lose everything in your portfolio. Uh, and so it's extremely dangerous to do a, a short on a stock. Uh, you know, I need, I need Dvorak and Horowitz. They understand this stuff. <laughs> you know, and I did, see uh, like that- I said, I, I understand math. I don't understand the religion of, of wall street very well. Yes. Yeah. And I know but, there are, if you call up your broker and say, you don't want to lend out the stocks in your portfolio, you can do that, but most people don't. So this yeah. is how this whole system works. I mean, I think there was sadly a, uh, the original saved by the bell television show with you know zach and screech and kelly and all, all those well i think they did a whole episode on this if i'm not remembering correctly and, where they did they were talking about futures at the time but very similar concepts yeah so the, mathematically this is actually very similar to do you do you understand what a run on a bank is yeah uh in in a bank situation um you put your money in a bank but they don't store all of the cash that you handed over in a vault. In fact, most of the money is digital for exactly the reason I'm about to describe. But if you take a $10 bill and you hand it to the bank teller, they will take that $10 bill and they will mark down that they've got $10, but then they will take the $10 that they got from you. And, uh, you know, back in the day, a bank would loan it all out. Um, nowadays, there are a lot of regulations. There's minimum things, but, but let's say that today, a bank will loan out 90% of that. So you give the bank $10, put it on deposit and the bank puts down in a ledger that you have $10 and then the bank loans out $9 to somebody else for taking a loan for who needs to. It's, it's so the effective result is that there are now $19 in circulation because as far as everyone knows, as far as all confidence is, you still have that $10, but there's nine more dollars out in the world that never existed. That's how, how money is created by financial markets is, is, is fractional reserve and, and relending money. The problem is that if the bank, if you decide you want your $10 back and the bank has not yet collected on that loan, they don't have the money. They give so you somebody else's you say, $10. Now, well, yeah. So the normally, if you want your $10, then they'll just hand you someone else's $10. But if that person wants their $10 also, they'll have to hand someone else. And the problem is, and this is a thing that absolutely destroys a bank and has in the past before. The problem is if mass hysteria kicks in 
and almost everybody suddenly starts worrying about the liquidity of a bank, they will all ask for their $10 back and they're just straight is not enough in the vault because it's been loaned out. And that's how a bank dies. And financial markets are uh, more about and, and currency in general is more about faith than it is about math. Currency has value because of the mass belief that currency has value and a a run on a bank is incredibly damaging precisely because it harms the belief that the currency has value. It makes people doubt that, that the currency in the bank is as good as you think it is. And, and that is, is devastating for an economy. Um, the the stock shorts are kind of the same thing. Uh, what happened with GameStop is thousands, or or yeah, I don't think it was millions, but you know, tens of thousands of people each went out and bought a hundred dollars of GameStop stock. This made the price go up, and it made the price start going up even more. Then the short sales started coming in. People were losing their money, and they were contractually obligated to buy more stock to cover their shorts. Buying more stock in mass when it happens over a large group caused the price to go up and up and up even more. Um, the thing is, in the end, it, it's it's a pyramid scheme. It is uh, a future. Someone in the future is now obligated to pay off debts and accrued now. And the hedge funds are the ones who are driving the debt curve up and up and up. and. The only thing that gets you out of that debt curve is if the stock starts going down, if people start selling the stock, if uh, someone someone has to pay, someone's going to be left without a seat when the merry-go-round stops. (laughs) And this is this is the the fact that this is kind of where it's headed and it, it snowballs is why they keep shutting down apps and shutting down markets and blocking trading because they don't want it to get there. They don't. And and in particular, the people running it who generally have money in the hedge funds don't want for the hedge funds to be stuck with the crash. Well, now, Um, but isn't the reality of this that you're claiming that the people that are causing this disruption are doing so because they feel like Wall Street, the stock market is rigged? Well, I think there are there are a lot of people, yes, who believe that. And more importantly, they're they're helping rig it. Right. That was that was my point, though. It's like, okay, so you're now you're using that you're rigging it yourself. Oh, yeah. And this is uh, I thought one of the more interesting takes on this. There, There is a very strong hatred for billionaires out there today. Yeah. Strong enough that people will lose all of their money just to hurt the billionaire and, and that's because- what's happening there there are tens of thousands of people you, the the other by the way the other safety valve would be if the people on reddit now that the stock has gone up crazily high uh if, if the people who went in with six hundred dollars to buy gamestop stock went ahead and sold it they could make a 500 percent return they could get thousands of dollars for their hundreds of dollars worth of stock that they bought if they just cashed in and that would release it, that would release the stock price pressure and that would allow the, the shorts to come up and get resolved without the entire thing ending heading for a crash. If people would just do profit taking, which is normal human nature, you assume everybody is in the market 
to take a profit. And there is a lot of profit to be had for the people who got in early. The people who got in later uh, might be losing their shorts, but there, I mean, there, there are people who are holding now millions of dollars worth of game stock stock when they put in only a little bit. But the thing is, there are enough people, and I'm not saying this is everybody. There are enough people out there who got into this knowing and just accepting. They're like, I have $600 I'm going to put into GameStop stock. I am writing off that money. I'm going to take the loss and I'm going to sit on that stock forever. And enough people are doing it that there is zero liquidity in the stock market. And that's what's killing the people who shorted early is they are contractually obligated to buy up stock at a higher price and there's no stock out there because people are sitting on it well that does seem to be a problem (laughs) it does from the uh like you said the normal concept is you made money you take your money you get the hell out you don't go hey look i've made thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars i'm just gonna lose it again because i don't want yeah well yeah there are a lot of people who are sitting on this out of spite and those people are stupid (laughs) maybe they are but but as we just discussed they feel like they've been shut out of society and they're very very angry at it well you know what take all that money out you just made start a business and put somebody to work idiots come on this is uh this is insanity but the uh the cnet article on this i thought was interesting because it said a quote but for some on wall street it's the latest sign of how social media can upend everyday life twitter Changed the world of news and politics. YouTube and Instagram have transformed fashion, beauty, and entertainment industries. Now Reddit is taking on Wall Street. To me, this should be a warning that they're going to start looking to shut down all of this stuff. Not just the conservative people, not just the liberal people, all of the social media stuff, all of this that we can communicate as large groups instantaneously with people around the world. This is how this stuff happens, and this is going to start being pointed out like, well, you know, if we didn't have Reddit and Twitter and Facebook, nobody could screw with the stock market. It's coming. I don't necessarily disagree with your point, but uh, I'm, I've got going through my head right now just how exactly it would happen. So I, I don't if know. You, well, if you can, uh, let's let's brainstorm a little bit. How do you think that 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 would happen? Um, we we have a situation right now where uh, the the government is run by people who are beholden to the uh, lobbyists and financing of the big Silicon Valley companies. And we've already demonstrated that the big Silicon Valley companies are m- more powerful than the federal government right now. So who is going to shut down what? Well, I can see where governments, as we're already seeing in the United States, as we've seen in other countries around the world, the whole freedom of speech thing will be used. I mean, just wait till it's like, well, you can't discuss stocks in public with anybody. That's illegal. I mean, it's already, you know, illegal for anybody to give. That's why every podcast that you hear people giving advice or talking about the stock market, it's like, this is not to be considered legal advice this yeah. is not financial advice nothing we say should and, be taken seriously those kind and, of and by the way here here on grumpy old ben's nothing that we have said during this discussion should be taken as stock advice because well partly because we don't know what we're talking about but also i don't think we've given out any advice yet right we're, or not good advice anyway yeah but there are people that are going to want to 
stop this kind of a thing from happening. And I just thought it was interesting that, you know, the tech folks over at CNET are like, well, this is because of social media and the whole presidential election thing because of social media, the whole fashion industry, the whole entertainment industry, it's all being transformed by something that the people control. I mean, so the concept that people have no ability to have an effect upon the world around them I think is bullshit. I don't think it's been true for a long time that I do believe people, as we're seeing here, have a big hand in what's going on. And to me, a lot of it is just excuses for people who have never done the work, if I can use the cliche, who haven't put money away, who spend their paycheck or more than their paycheck for years, years and years. And then when it gets down to the point where they need money, they want to have a handout from somebody else. They want a bailout from the government. They want to tell you how unfair the system is. But there are tons of people who did do what they were supposed to do. If you can, uh, if you use that, you sound like you're rejecting your socialist teachings. You might need to be (laughs) scheduled for re-education. Yeah, I need some more socialist education, I guess, because I don't get it. I just don't understand it. I, you know, I believe that everybody in the United States, I don't know where you are in the world for people listening. We do have people listening all over the world, but here in the United States, you have the ability to totally screw up, destroy your life, get back to zero or below and hit that reset switch and build yourself up. This is not a society. And I'm sure there are some, I mean, I know the UK is American culture loves a second chance. Yes. And a third, it loves a a comeback story, right? It's not like you're born into, you know, you're born into a lower income family in the United States. That's all you can ever be. That's not the case. And you can see stories all over the place of people who went from very humble beginnings up to much, much greater thing. I mean, including the story I covered on, which I guess, uh, I guess a C-SPAN or somebody covered this as well. Very recently, the, the guy who invented the smoking hot Cheetos, who was a janitor at the plant in California, had this idea. He was making like 15 bucks an hour as the janitor. The CEO yeah. said, hey, we, we need ideas. How can we make this company how, better? How, how- And how dare he take the CEO at face value? I know. And the CEO loved it. And now the guy's making like 30 million a year as as an executive. It's like, that is American to me. That is the concept that if you work and you use, you know, one, there's backbreaking work, but there's also mental, you know, coming up with new ideas, being creative, coming up with new ways to tackle problems. There is an unlimited resource to make your life better. And this whole concept just really scares me, this whole socialist thing, which is the end result being everybody sit on your ass, wait for a check from the government, and nobody do anything. We just need to be provided for. I I can think of no better response than what cold acid just dropped into the troll room. America, fuck yeah. Yeah, come on down here, cold acid. Why are you up in Scandinavia? <laughs> Come trying, on. Trying not to get any of our particular brand of crap all over him. Maybe. Yeah. Canadians have their own brand of crap. Yeah. And uh, Jay Finley says Robert Downey Jr. I mean, come on. That guy went from the height down to ze- less than zero, if I can uh, use a movie reference of one of them that he was in. And then back now to uh, to being Iron Man. So making millions of dollars. He was, you know, went down to the depths and has come back. And it, you don't have to start with a billion dollars. I mean, you can make anything you want of yourself. And I mean, sure, sometimes it takes yeah. hard work. Yeah, it we've takes made, a little luck. We've made podcasters of ourselves. 
We have. We have, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and you could do that anywhere. Of course, uh, you know, sometimes they come to your door and uh, KGB shut you down, but, uh, you know, here... I'm still waiting. That's how we know we finally made it big. Right. That's how you know you made it big. Or, I mean, the other way you know you made it big, I mean, you went to a meetup this weekend. I went on to WAATP, Who Are These Podcasts, with Carl and Croge from uh, whoarethese.com, I think, believe it is, and had a whole lot of fun. That was... Uh, I mean, I know it's one of your favorite shows, so I know you were tuned in. You were listening. I I only I only tune in for the ball shaving ads. <laughs> I mean, how much money can that make? We have to have Carl back on to talk marketing because I'm curious what Something the- tells me that's not a piece of information he'd be willing to share on a public podcast. That's maybe we'll just have to edit that part out. When I was on, it wasn't the uh, the manscaping stuff, though. It was a coffee ad. So he's. He's uh, diversifying yes. a little, although it's the same kind of stuff that you see on a lot of the usual channels. I was watching some episodes of Brian Brushwood's uh, Modern Rogue, and it was those the same things. It's NordVPN. It is, you know, manscaping stuff. It is co- the coffee. It's, you know, it's the usual suspects. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing that we've seen in, in podcasting. There is way more podcasts who want advertisers than there are people willing to advertise on some random podcast that has four listeners. So the the same 10 companies are advertised across every podcast ever. And if you get all your media from podcasts, you get a little tired of those particular ads. Yeah, they're blanketing the stuff. But I thought it was a lot of fun. And when the right when I mean, I that got was it. that was true 10 years ago when it was it was the same ad across every show on Leo's network, though. So, <laughs> well, yeah. And now he has no ads. I don't know what's going on with uh, with Leo. And I thought he was moving out of the 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 brick house or whatever they call the studio down there but uh, going on carl i mean the first thing i'm like you know hey carl i'm happy to be here no matter what ryan tells you he's like oh yeah ryan tells me all the time you don't listen and you hate the show and i'm like well let me ask you this if i don't (laughs) listen how do i know i hate the show and i think that broke his brain and it got us off to a good start because it's like well that's true if you don't listen how do you know i mean if you say you hate grumpy old bands i assume you've actually listened well, it's not. You, yeah. And you've listened to the software agents podcast of, by that definition. <laughs> yeah. Like four, but five but I don't know that you would want to go out on a limb and say that you listen. No, no, I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, I hate listened by about the fifth time when I realized that I needed the super clip of the host on that show saying, you know, and I realized yeah, they, I needed to go listen to the whole podcast again. To clip so- that. Software agents was the name of the podcast recommended by John C. Dvorak <laughs> yes. that you decided that, that you and Carl and Crows, a half hour long podcast, three hosts spending 45 minutes tearing down everything about the show. If, if you haven't, I, I don't know if it's been released yet. I think it probably has, yes, but yes, it has. that episode at least needs to go into your, your listen queue just the, for the part, where they tear down some people who uh, are much more about middle management than they are about software, but they seem to think they're about software. Well, because, you know, they don't let the plebs, just like this Wall Street stuff, they don't let the plebs go out and talk to people about their product. They send the advertising person. They send the marketing person out there. They don't go, you know, if Microsoft wants to promote their latest product, they send some marketing hack out. They don't go, hey, Coder X, come over here. We want you to talk to these guys about what you're doing. That never happens. And the marketing well, people uh, for, are dumb. For a couple of reasons. Uh, and and I, I encountered this a lot when Microsoft, when we were there, had 
a standing rule that said, unless you have special permission from the PR <laughs> section of the company, thou shalt not talk to reporters, <laughs> period. <laughs> and the reason is for two reasons. One is uh, a re- Joe random coder probably is not going to get the PR message correct where they're not they're not having it drilled into them by the bosses in PR. But uh, uh, more importantly, Joe random coder doesn't want to be talking to the press their job is to write some damn code i I, the the last thing i want to do is talk about my code when i could be writing it i don't even want to go to meetings (laughs) meetings are are great another great waste of time where you're not getting your damn work done you don't want to talk to people in the company so you definitely don't want to talk to people outside so so the people the people on this software agents podcast are the ones whose entire self-worth in the company are defined by how many meetings they spend their time in. And, and I will, the the jargon level was really high. I loved how you used my line where I said, uh, you know, I used to be a a cog in the corporate machine and I'm only following about 50% of the jargon on this show. Yeah. Cause I understood less, which is why I immediately came to you. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? I mean, it was, and it was that for a half hour. And I'm like, I'm really trying to pick out what their company does. I mean, if you didn't know anything about the, the uh, company, you know, work.com and uh, what's I'm blanking on the name of the, the woman's company. I mean, code bees was the, Salesforce Salesforce. Yes. It's like, if you didn't yes. know what Salesforce did before listening, and I still to don't, this, you still don't know, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a problem. If you're trying to promote, a product is like, um, but it, I guess it depends who the podcast is aimed at. Now, if this is a very specialized podcast only for people that are marketing people that work for software companies, then I'm sure they did a great job. But I don't know. As far as I was concerned, it was it was aimed at John C. Dvorak. <laughs> Maybe. But, uh, you know, your level of sarcasm is disturbing. And I don't think there's I've any, heard that. There's no question about that. And I'm guessing I mean, I'm only guessing here. But the guy that was on the software show that talked for like three sentences, JCD may know him because the guy's around 60 and he's been in the tech world for a while. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the other host where you did not know there was a second host of this show until 22 minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. It was was never said anything. Yeah. And then when they ask him to say something, he's like, I've got nothing to add. And and I looked up and he was the guy that was hired as a uh, freelancer to produce the podcast so i mean check out the who are these podcasts you'll have a lot of fun just hearing the circle jerk yeah. that was the that, that was this what i i'm probably biased but i did think it was one of the best watp episodes they've ever done uh i feel like you probably could have shown a lot more if you hadn't been upstaged by crows who is uh hands down the best host watp has ever had and when i say that i include carl in the list <laughs> damn carl if you're listening uh you're, i told carl, oh, carl, carl said he would come back on grumpy old ben so he'll be on i would bet uh, sometime I, I, in the next screw few carl weeks. we need to get crows on <laughs> the guy has the no I, the energy I, crows is crows is one of the most entertaining guys that they have on on watp and and having him in means that he's going to be the center of attention and i feel like you got a little upstage for that but i also feel like you held your own and like i said my recommendation is if somebody wants more darren o'neill in a let's rip on some stuff context go go listen to the latest episode of episode 243 of 
who are these podcasts? Yeah, and that was exactly it with crows uh, coming down. Some of the stuff that I had that I was like, hey, this is going to be a good slam. He got to it right before I was going to get to it. And it's like, damn, this is like full contact podcasting. I dig it. <laughs> yeah. I dig yeah. It. A half hour show. There wasn't enough. There wasn't enough material there. There was a lot of material in a half hour show, but there wasn't enough there for three hosts. No, there wasn't. And but it was, uh, you know, it it did the job and then it was fun to hang out for the alex jones part uh even though i'm not a big alex jones fan i mean this would have been something you know like chris uh, sir seat would have loved because he listened to everything alex jones i know just enough what alex jones is saying to get me into trouble and uh like i said on on who are these podcasts it's like alex jones is really no different to me he's the radical right nut job but then you go to msnbc and you have rachel maddow who's the radical left nut job and i think they both hate the other side equally and i think they both just spew things that are completely untrue 90 percent of the time and can, uh can i offer a confession you you love uh, i don't Jones? listen i don't listen to either one of them for reasons you just stated yeah well yeah too extreme to get anything out of the show which is why you're probably listening to grumpy old bends because we are uh we're uh we are crazy but we're less not less extreme than alex jones and rachel maddow yes, that's uh, that's <laughs> our new tagline less extreme than the extremists that's uh i guess that's one way to put it but you know well, there was i have another tech story believe it or not i mean i know we are a tech show Yay. Allegedly. And all. And I thought this was kind of save us. Yes. I thought this was genius because the FBI is telling people that scammers are posing as FBI agents. And I'm like, I've heard a lot of these scams and they make a whole lot of sense. No, I mean, really, if you yeah. if you have a phone about time, FBI agents have been posing as people online forever. Yeah. Now, if you have a phone, never answer it. That is the only answer. Unless you recognize the number. Unless you know who's calling, never give out yeah. personal information. It's sweet, blessed noise gate. You probably didn't hear Yoko screaming about five minutes ago. No, Yoko I had was forgotten screaming. to put my phone in. I forgot to put my phone in the drawer. <laughs> I played a Miley Cyrus song the other day on the No Agenda Rock and Roll pre-show. And people are like, I'd rather hear Yoko Ono. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Oh. I mean, there's there's bad. And then there's really bad. But. I know there have been these scam calls going on forever. And this is, you know, oh, you want to sweepstakes. I remember getting these calls like 20 years ago. So this is absolutely nothing new, but it's the, hey, how you doing? Yeah, you just want a trip to Jamaica. All we need is your social security number and this to verify and your maybe your bank account number. That would all be good. And then we'll verify that you're the winner and we'll send you off to warm Jamaica. But seems legit. Yeah. The person calling uh, is really not giving you a trip. So, sorry. If, if they didn't tell you, you had to have a COVID test first, then it's probably not a, a real. Oh, right. Anyway. Right. You have to you have to follow the steps. Somebody has to come. Now, is it the uh, is it the uh, nasal swab COVID test you want or is it the uh, anal swab COVID test? I mean, that's- I, you know, I did not want a COVID test before they were proposing shoving things up my ass. <laughs> I think you should have them both at the same time simultaneously. It's the only way to know for sure whether or not you, you have it. But I'd rather not know. Now, I, ignorance is bliss is all I'm telling you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, are they going to put you out for that? Nope. But in this case of this scam, it was a double dip, which I thought was genius because they're calling and trying to pull off the whole sweepstakes thing. And 
if you don't fall for it, which I'm guessing in this day and age, a vast majority of people hopefully are not falling for it. But there is then a follow-up call from somebody claiming they're from the FBI that's investigating the scam calls, and they need your social security number to verify you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know what? This is genius when it comes down Points to it. Points for creativity. Yes. So if they don't, if they don't give it to you when you call as we were giving you a free trip or you just want a brand new MacBook, whatever it is, if they don't give you the, inf- the information, you call back and say you're from the FBI and you ask for the same information because now you're investigating those bad people. So a uh, quick PSA from Grumpy Old Ben's to you. Uh, if the FBI asks you for your Social Security number, it's a scam. They already have it. It's like it's your job to know that. You tell me what it is first. Yeah. If you're on the phone with an FBI agent and and you're like, oh, I need to put my SSN into this site. They're like, can you can you let me know? And the agent should be able to rattle it off off the top of his head because it's in the brief that he got when when they built a dossier on your illegal activities. And I would guess if somebody is really investigating you, if the FBI is truly investigating you or needs your help in an investigation, they have enough agents that somebody's going to knock on your door. They're not going to call you on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. In general, the first contact is always uh, it, it going to be in a position where it's harder to run away or hang up. Right. right. That's exactly it. Um, I mean, I know you have one of those little slides that goes out from the, your house and ejects you out into the woods in the back as is kind of a way to, to get away just in case. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, always know your exits. Yes, always. You have to know the exits. So I thought this was just another genius way. I mean, there's scams everywhere, but I thought this I had to give them points for creativity following up the first scam, pretending that you were investigating the first scam. I, I bet you that would catch some people just off guard because the the first scam thing, if you catch it. You're in full, like, pushing your chest out mode, like, ha-ha, I thwarted yeah, these guys. Yeah. I hope these guys go to hell, man. I hate when they do this. So then when somebody calls up, like, hey, we're the cops. We're trying to help you. You're like, oh, good, yeah. good. Okay, you know what? You're going to make me pull out the, my second Grumpy Old Ben's PSA of the show. Wow. And Two that is, if, if anybody comes to you and says, we're the government, we're here to help, <laughs> okay. shut the door. Okay, Ronald Run. Reagan. He was Leave. right. Those are the most dangerous words in the human language. <laughs> it's like, no, thanks. Hey, I, I didn't can... say I made it up. I said that it's a it's a public service announcement. <laughs> yes. It's it's a useful advice. Yes. Those are the those are the most harrowing words in the English language. Hello, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah, that is the point where you're just like, no, I'll just just I'll do this on myself by myself. Don't need your help. And uh, don't get involved in Ponzi schemes. I mean, know what you're doing if you're going to go buy GameStop stocks now. Because I mean, you know, there's a lot of people. I mean, this whole thing, it's, it's going to have to be inve- to be investigated. The one concept, I guess, that we didn't talk about too much with that was the fact that a lot of these places, these outlets, the they stop their apps. They put stops on people buying or selling certain stocks and or in some cases allegedly i mean i haven't gotten enough into this to know if this was true but there was reports that in some cases the stock was sold without the person's okay and it's like a lot of this is going to have to be looked into because how much control do the people that you're 
that are the middlemen in this, how much uh, control should they have with your account? Now, it's mm-hmm. one thing if you hire a financial dude and you're like, here's my money. I'm a moron. You do whatever you think is best. And, then and that was my technique. Yeah, it is, because that you go to the experts. If you want something done right, you go to the experts and sure, you'll pay them. And, and at this point, at this point in the last uh, seven days, they've managed to lose me about twenty thousand dollars. So. Damn. Woo. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Welcome to the market. Wow. So that new microphone. Yeah, right, hopefully it bounces back before I retire. Right. Well, which is when I thought, aren't you retired now? Well, actually, it was yeah, it was about uh, about five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. So uh, everybody contribute to the Ryan Bemrose Microphone Fund, and uh, you want to do that. But uh, yeah, it, it just was interesting to me that whole concept of w- the Robin Hood thing. I loved that AOC yeah. and Ted Cruz agreed about something, and then she accused him of trying to have her murdered. And this is where politics is going, uh, or or yeah. it's there. It- a side note about the the Robinhood app was uh, that uh, Google has started deleting thousands of negative reviews of the app. Right, right, because you because, have to protect them. Yeah, well, I did, and that's I mean, depending on whether you believe the official line or not, which you generally shouldn't, and and who you decide to assign blame to, uh, Google says that it has taken action against reviews that are quote deemed deemed quote coordinated or inorganic. So they uh, they have a policy against brigading reviews, which generally a good idea, because if you get some subreddit somewhere that says this app sucks and here's why you can easily get a thousand people to go vote one star. And if you have a business that relies on reviews that can really screw you up, which again brings um, you down to the question of how do you verify what is a real review then and what not? What if somebody well, obviously Google has the algo, <laughs> of course, and we're just algo. supposed to trust them. Yeah, never. Never trust the algos. I don't believe they know what is real, what isn't. It's all just going to be, oh, this came in during a certain time period. So whether it was a legitimate review or yeah. not, you're going to get tagged. You're probably going to get banned from ever putting anything else into their review system, which Amazon tried to do to me the one time. And I'm like, no, this company sent me stuff for free. I didn't ask for it. I didn't order it. And then they were like, oh, okay. And then so they, if you if you want to be charitable, then you just figure, OK, uh, you know, something went viral and people are brigading the votes and we don't want that. We want authentic votes only. And um, if you don't want to be charitable, then Robin Hood deserves a lot of negative votes because they are kind of in the process of screwing over their entire user base where they promised way more than they could deliver and are currently in the process of not being able to deliver. I mean, Robinhood has taken steps to uh, to stop trading on a lot of stocks. They have now a list of uh, what, 50, 75 different companies where you are you are now allowed to buy or sell one share at a time. Right. Because they're afraid. In order to, yeah, <laughs> it is. Weird. Uh, and and then the only other related thing I had was uh, there was a Facebook group called Robinhood Stock Traders, 157,000 members. Um, Facebook shut it down for, quote, allegedly violating or not. not They didn't say allegedly, but for they said violating the social media platforms policy on, quote, adult sexual exploitation. What? <laughs> the 
Robin Hood I don't thing? know what the hell they were doing there. Somebody right. Somebody pulled the wrong chain on that one, I guess. But uh, yeah, that, that feels like entering the wrong, the, clicking the wrong checkbox in yes. a, a ban form. But the wrong uh, reason code. There, I mean, if there was adult sexual exploitation there, then maybe I should have got more involved in in this finance group. <laughs> like Robin, it sounds like a lot of fun. But Sir Gene in the troll room says YouTube's doing the same thing with comments on Joe Biden's official videos. And this is. Oh, con- yeah. Concerning. They've been doing that for a while. This is concerning. It is because Wasn't people- it on, I think I think it was no agenda where I heard uh, the, the the story of these where somebody built a bot that would just track the up the the up and down votes on the youtube video over time and then they graphed it and it was like a sawtooth where the negative votes were going up steadily and then dropping and then going up steadily and dropping over and over again you know but the positive ones those were staying that was that was a steady sure that was that was of course exponential growth yeah and this is very concerning because people even though we've told you not to since we started the show, people believe reviews they see online and you certainly uh, are welcome to do so. But at your own peril, I believe, because I don't know if anybody's doing these things fairly, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Yelp, whether it's YouTube. It all seems to be gamed systems. And I mean, the the Yelp thing, there were uh, people that had sued them, I believe, for or at least alleged maybe they never got to fully being uh filed as lawsuits that the uh you uh the the yelp people were reaching out to them with like oh you got those negative reviews on your on your business you know we could help you take care of those if you want to advertise with us and uh it's a very interesting thing it that's a nice business nice storefront you've got there it'd be a shame if something happened to it yeah it does really kind of go down the uh Kind of makes you feel like you're back in the Sopranos, isn't it? You know, the Tony Sopranos guys are showing up like, hey, how you doing, buddy? That's a nice. This is a nice little candy store you got here. What do you pull it in here a day? Huh? OK, <laughs> we w- it would be a shame if somebody firebombed it, wouldn't it? I mean, we've got what? Uh, another two and a half months before we all get to deal with uh, the federal government doing pretty much that same thing. Well, how much money did you make last year? It'd be to- a shame if we had to send people to collect it. Or how about the, oh, you know, all that money we gave you, you know, the free money we gave you, you know, the bailout, the stimulus. Oh, that's going to that- be taxed. You know that. <laughs> you know, uh, you got to call that income and say, you need to send 20% back, which is going to really screw a lot of people who just spent the whole thing thinking it was free. Again, people don't think ahead. And that is, I mean, I understand we're in a weird time right now because if you need to pay for your mortgage or you need to pay for your rent whatever it is i get it but if there's any advice we could give it is take some of the money you make if you get paid weekly whatever bi-weekly take some of that money and put it away i mean it's sad that you can't really make any money at all on a savings account now so i i also would think this would be pushing more people into the stock market just because you need some place to put your money that might actually make you more than zero, you know, might make you a little more than just putting it in your I, mattress. I don't know. If we go into this deflation that we've been threatening for years, then then the money in the mattress is going to be some of the best investment you can make. Yeah, I've thought about it because I've got, you know, some money there in the stocks and it's like, uh, you know, it's not a lot, but it's like uh, I, I don't want it to go to zero. 
I mean, I'm glad it's not in, uh, you know, in Dogecoin because that did the same thing as the GameStop, which this is all just, again, disrupting because that was a cryptocurrency that's never really been worth anything. And because somebody pushed it, it went way up in value and then dropped in value. Although we've seen Bitcoin do the same thing, which makes Bitcoin to me be nothing more than a Ponzi scheme gambling as well. And I know people will disagree with that, but hey, I watched it go up to forty two, forty three thousand dollars, and now it's back down to thirty two just, you know, a week or two later. That doesn't seem to me to be a uh, a safe and secure place to put your cash. I, I I don't know if there is a safe and secure place to put your cash in and bullets. Yeah, that might be. I at this point, you know what? The safest investment might just be to go off the grid and go all Kaczynski and live in a cabin in the woods. It's not a bad idea. I mean, the problem is that you enough people do that and you're going to it's going to be cabins wall to wall through the entire <laughs> woods. And, you know, but what if you could shut off now, if you had the ability to do this and just shut off the Internet worldwide, does it make the world a better place? I mean, forget about the fact that all the business <laughs> is as usual kill stuff a lot of people? is going to crash. I mean, let's forget about the fact that a lot of people have full businesses and everything based around the Internet and that would all go away. But the end result, you know, a year, five years down the road, no Internet. Is it better than having, you know, what's better, zero Internet or having I, I the Internet? I think that there, there are a lot of, you know, I have thought about this, believe it or not. I believe there it. are a lot of aspects of modern life that I think, you, you, you know, detoxing everyone from Facebook at once is a nice appealing thing. The prospect of shutting off the internet for everybody is a little too authoritarian for me to even entertain <laughs> as something I might try to do. Um, the, the, the simple fact is if someone did decide to just shut that off, you would provide a huge aggregate benefit in detoxing people from their phones or a, a very large number of people and for a smaller number of people you would provide the harm of it quite literally could kill them um there are a number of people who who very much rely on being connected for better or worse uh in order in for their existence uh and that that could be as literal as as medical devices that need to phone home and it could be figurative like people who have never seen the inside of a grocery store. And if they can't get their groceries delivered, they'll starve to death. And it could be the, you know, the, the economic impact of shutting down the internet would be no less awful than the economic impact of telling people they're not allowed to go into a brick and mortar store. In fact, after the, the COVID uh, hysteria, it might even be worse because nobody goes into a brick and mortar store anymore. Uh, so I think that if you did it, it would have far more negative effects than positive, just like the, the COVID lockdowns at the same time, I'm definitely with you that, that the idea of forcing people to detox might be the way to go. I'm just not about forcing people to do much of anything. Cause that kind of goes against what I believe. I like the irony of Sir Gene's post, which is hashtag fuck the internet, because I mean, to have a hashtag, you need the internet. So I, I no, I'm with him, though. I'm with him. Uh, on that I mean, too. And, and Jay yeah. Finley, really, the more important thing, he's like, shut off the Internet. 
No more grumpy old Ben's. No more OnlyFans. Okay. To, honestly, though, Jay Finley, are you spending more money on OnlyFans or on grumpy old Ben's? That's uh, maybe you don't want to answer that. I'm sure there are, <laughs> there are the OnlyFans thing I love because it takes us right back. And now with Valentine's Day, of course, coming up, you know, Victoria's Secret's doing all their emails, which they still do. And the level of model on Victoria's Secret has gone way down i'm assuming also well, the, the amount of products they're selling way down only fans that guy on random thoughts talk about victoria's secret quality uh six months ago yeah we we knew we were calling this stuff long before it happened but only fans is showing you why capitalism will always reign i believe and it's also showing you why you can't tell everybody that oh we're all the same we're all equal because the hot girls on OnlyFans, I'm just guessing, make more money than the non-hot girls or guys. Uh, well, the hottest ones, yes. It's kind of the celebrity model where the the top 0.1% are making out like bandits. And, and because of survivorship bias, those are the stories that everybody else is fed on saying, look, everyone can make money when it turns out that 99.9% of them don't. But, you know, most of those people probably shouldn't. If you got a good look at them. Yes. Well, there's that. And it's like, oh, what are you doing? Well, we're selling pictures and videos. It's like, are you underwear of Instagram, VSCO and all these other websites where there are free pictures and videos? I will tell you that OnlyFans and Grumpy Old Ben's are kind of the same model where you can (laughs) you you well, you because you offer uh, money or donation in exchange for something and then you can download it, put it into your your spank bank. And I mean, it's both of them are a pay once and fap forever type of model. I've never thought about it that way, but yes. Okay. <laughs> I will. I will say that's that. I can't say that's incorrect. Maybe we should be on OnlyFans. I know Abel Kirby went to the URL when it was put in during a rare encounter when they were talking I, about. I clicked it too. I wouldn't have been that surprised <laughs> if you'd set one up. That might not be a bad idea. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we may be the most. Uh, or the least you 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 posted a uh, post on no agenda social where you you said uh, it was it was shortly after we we had our discussion where we kind of decided to refocus on tech because of the the uh, attempt at 130 that didn't work out right and uh everybody you know because everybody thought that we were really angry with each other and then when we came back we're like yeah we're doing we're doing grumpy old bins on friday everybody's like oh great and somebody asked, well, are you and Darren okay? I said, yeah, the makeup sex was fantastic. <laughs> and I think that that's what ended up turning into you posted something about, uh, you know, onlyfans.com slash grumpy old Ben's. Right. Apparently a few people clicked on it. So maybe we should have made one. I know it might've worked. It might've been better than Patreon. I don't know what their terms are. I'll have to talk to Sir Spencer. He'll know. He'll be able to hook us up and he can tell us all the stuff too, including things about, you know, lightning nodes and that. And we do have chapters now. I mean, was that a painful experience or how did that go? Because you added that. Well, my let's just say it it took um, what do we have? We had a two and a half hour podcast on Friday and it took me about four hours to build the chapters file, which <laughs> is not a sustainable long term model. But there are many ways that that process can be streamlined and it will happen. Yes. Whether it's something you can do uh, marks during the doing during the show. I think that's what it's going to happen. Yeah. Which it would at least give you an idea of where everything is. The problem with that is that it requires listening to the show, which is we've established is very difficult for me. Right. I mean, even live, it's difficult. But if you were doing something like the chapters, I would get 
where it'd be like, well, just listen at 1.5 or two times. But it's like that would make me want to shoot myself after about 20 minutes. So I don't know if I can rec- <laughs> recommend. That. I don't even like hearing my own voice at, at 1x speed. I mean, the the beauty is what, what that was another uh, somebody pointed that out in the troll might have been Sir Gene again. He's been on fire. No, it was Jay Findlay that said about the your microphone fund. He's like, we already don't like the way Ryan sounds. Why would we want a better microphone for him? It's like I, I, I like the idea of uh, maybe you could artificially add some bass into my microphone. See if, you know, like bring out the real bottom of my voice. Oh, we can get like we can make you sound like James Earl Jones. That'd be good. Can you? <laughs> I'm sure there has to be a plug. Does that technology exist? It's got to be the James Earl yeah, Jones. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and write out everything I'm going to say, and then we hire James Earl Jones to read it. That might be the way to do it. <laughs> that would be that would be most awesome. Actually, James Earl Jones is getting up there in years. We can hire Larry. He's got a better voice anyway. True, and he works cheaper, I bet, than uh, than James Earl Jones. But it was so. If you're listening, and of course, I added the chapters, and we did this. After posting, so the original RSS feed for Grumpy Old Ben's was out there, and we did an update on the episode. We added the chapters file into the RSS feed. I had to update the app that I was on, which was uh, Podcast Addict, and it worked, and I was really happy, even though they were just basic, and all of a sudden, hey, there, here there's chapters, and I'm like, and Ryan even included comic strip bloggers doodle of us which i know would make him happy that we put his doodle in and he was the guy that was screaming the loudest that was put chapters in put chapters in so i'm like i i think what he what he actually said was if your podcast doesn't include chapters you're no podcast at all yes you suck no chapters not going to listen so we added the chapters and i'm like csb we have chapters now and he's just like not working I'm like, it's, it's, it's there. <laughs> Trust me. It's there. And then he, of course, then messaged the guy that does the pod friend, uh, the new uh, it's web and uh, and Windows based. And he's working on apps for iOS and Android. But it's a new podcast app. And the guy's like, oh, well, maybe I'll include a thing to refresh. He's like, because I bet a lot of people are doing what we just did. And especially if you're going to go back, there are some people who may go back through their podcast catalog and be like, well, you can go add chapters. It wouldn't be hard to add chapters to any show, no matter how old it is, because you're just adding a new file that goes alongside of it. Yeah. So he was going the, the to way add most. The, the way most apps work um, is it you you end up causing some weird things. Adam has talked about this before, because, of course, he is always updating and refreshing the, the RSS feed. Anytime that you change the RSS feed without just straight adding a new item, um, some apps go a little bit weird. So we, I think one thing we've discovered is the way to go is we, when at publish time, we link to a blank chapters file and then we add, update the chapters file later when the chapters come in. And the, the result of that is most apps, because chapters are new enough, most apps are going to download the, chapters file at playtime rather than when they're trying to index the rss feed and uh, sir gene asks why do you need chapters that is a question a lot of people will argue with you that, blue that douche was, says no agenda I, doesn't I have know. chapters they certainly do blue douche no agenda has chapters yeah, they do dreb scott yeah adam talks about it every show now that you can when you're talking about the artwork that's why they're talking about more of the art that doesn't win to give Dreb Scott some more work, because every time they mention a piece that didn't win, Dreb Scott's putting it into the show. So he has to do more work. So if Adam and John just talked about every piece of art, even for a second, 
that would add some work to Dreb Scott's plate. And that's fun that this that the stuff just works. Now, Sir Gene, in answer of your question, as far as a podcast consumer, I don't feel like I have a huge need for chapters in the way that I consume podcasts. Although I will say they're quite useful if I'm going back to something like, oh, I know no agenda said something three shows ago and I want to go find that quickly. The chapters will allow that to happen now because you can go directly to whatever portion of the show that is. That's the benefit of chapters is, is you can treat them like show notes. Are you, are you torturing children in the background? That's no, that's my fucking cat. He's decided he (laughs) wants to go downstairs. Wow. He's uh he's an angry one. He's a little loud there. He, he Okay. So he's 15 years old and he's deaf. Oh. And the problem is that being a deaf cat means you have no volume control. <laughs> I guess he, he sure. just, he just goes full volume every time for anything. And also like, you can't hear me talking right now. So he doesn't realize that if he just walks around to the other side of the desk, he'll be able to spot me. So he's, he's trying to use echolocation to locate where the humans are so that one of them will open the door so he can go downstairs. Or he's just hoping he's loud enough that wherever you are, if you can hear him, you'll come help. That's pretty much the way it works. Yeah. And the problem is that right now, uh, Lisa is working and I'm podcasting. And so fuck you, cat. (laughs) And you may not even hear the cat in the final uh, show because we do things called uh, editing. When, although it's automatic, I think we're going to have to include it now. Well, yeah, but what if the what if the filter cuts it out? You want me to go back and add in some cat noises? Then you're just, gonna then then you're gonna have to insert some kind of enhanced feline sounds. We just okay. If anybody wants to make, make him sound like a lion, like the MGM noise or something, that would be awesome. Just rawr, like oh, wow, what kind of cat does he have? Uh, but there was another I thought funny story, which uh, Cisco. I mean, Cisco's a pretty big company, right? Um, their spam cop um, spam services. Did you see this story? Uh, which one? The uh, Cisco spam cop story. I'm not. Well, it turns out they let their domain expire. <laughs> what, what, like Cisco.com or the uh, spam cop domain, which oh. everything, anytime a message was going to be run through the system. Well, by not having. I guess the, that's one way to get no spam. Well, no, it's a good way to get spam because they suffered an outage on Sunday. Its domain was mistaken. In this story on bleeping computer, the domain was mistakenly allowed to expire, which means some moron didn't that's, renew that. The, that's, that's Internet 101. <laughs> I mean, you can, you know, when you're a multi billion dollar company, I mean, I know my little, uh, you know, I use Namecheap or I'm sorry, Name Silo. And. When they come up, as long as you tell them not to renew, or if you don't tell them not to renew, rather, they just automatically charge. So I don't know how Cisco didn't uh, didn't renew this, but it said that mail servers that use the spam cop RBL service perform a DNS lookup of a connecting mail server's IP address to check if it's known to be used for spam. The server does this by performing a DNS lookup uh, using the spamcop.net address. If there is a response, it then refuses to accept the mail from the server. Now, the problem was the where this ended up being 
hosted because it expired. So it went to like one of these. This thing is pending kind of a page where it normally wouldn't have been responding at all if their website was still functioning because it went to another like this web is being held, you know, thing like you get when you're DN when you don't renew your names. Well, it was getting a response. Thus, that it's the holding page. Yeah. So it says because of that. Mail administrators, organizations, and ISP worldwide suddenly found that all of their outgoing mail was being rejected by the spam cop service. See, you get no spam that way. Yeah. Well, you don't get no spam it's, because nobody's allowed to send email then. Yeah. And you get no spam <laughs> if nobody can send email. It's again, if you shut off the whole internet, then I won't have to worry about internet spam or Facebook tracking me or all kinds of things. I mean, there'd be a lot of a whole new slate of things to worry about, but all of the, the trivial stuff would be gone. It said bleeping computer was told that Cisco is aware of the issue and has been working on renewing the domain throughout the day at approximately one o'clock Eastern Cisco renewed the spam cop net domain, but some email administrators report they continue to see issues with their incoming mail being blocked. Yeah. DNS be like that. Yeah. It takes yeah I'd a while. like to say this is the first time I've ever heard of this sort of thing happen. But uh, when at some point in during the development of windows seven, I remember uh, windows.com expired because somebody just didn't have it in the list of domains that get renewed by whatever department handles that damn see that's one to grab yeah (laughs) apparently it had expired only for a few hours but it was already enough for some high profile clients to or services to drop and and lots of complaint notes to come in and that was you know where i came in was was the you know, the engineers really don't normally care about that sort of thing, except that or when we have to be the ones to investigate, OK, why is this service not working? Oh, it's not working because this domain isn't responding. Why not? Did a server go to? No, the the name is not resolving. Some guy in Cambodia owns the name now. Oops. Yeah, this is bad. This is bad. But it happens. I mean, we've all let domains expire. And then there's that harrowing time. There have been a few domains that I've wanted to grab that were owned or that somebody wanted me to grab for them. There was one which was a an Irish singer that I met when we went to Ireland. And, you know, we, we start talking and she was trying to get her domain back and like a fan, you know, like a super fan, but more like a stalker had registered the name. And she's like, well, how do I get it back? And it's like, well, I mean, you can sue, but that's... uh you know, that's that's a tougher thing. And then he finally didn't renew it. And nobody ever knows exactly how long this is going to take before it comes back onto the open market. And we were finally able to grab it back. But it's like it takes weeks of like sitting there. It's like, well, we have yeah. to give the original person X amount of time. And then it's like a, compulsively refreshing. Yes. <laughs> like, who oh, can yeah. you get it back? Can you get it back? Because, uh, you know, usually you don't want to have to pay for your own name but uh, that happens there's a lot of domain squatters when, who made a lot of money when when i first joined the internet this would be mm, 1990-ish uh there were somewhere between five and ten thousand domains on the entire internet at the time it was pretty damn small uh but one of them that was already on the internet. And this really annoyed me was Bemrose.com, which <laughs> I wanted so much. <laughs> Who was it? And, Is it another guy named Bemrose? Uh, there, there, no, there was a publishing company in uh, the UK 
called Bemrose Publishing because Bemrose is an English name and there are actually very few Bemroses in America. I mean, there's not a hell of a lot in the UK, but it's a lot more common there. Uh, but the Bemrose Publishing was a book publisher in the UK and they had Bemrose.com and, uh, you, you know, the vast majority of, of existing companies and stores had not gone out and allocated a website back then this was this was before aol keywords were the big thing <laughs> so th- there uh, was no mtv.com yet no and uh, it's for for this company to be one of the few forward-looking companies out on the web to have registered their name and i remember checking periodically over the next several years and sometime around 2004 uh bemrose publishing got sold out to another one booth publishing or something and they ended up retiring the bemrose brand name but those assholes have continued to <laughs> renew the domain i still wow so <laughs> i my entire time on the internet which is now more than 30 years and i have never been able to get the one domain i always wanted so if you really want to get in with ryan bemrose you just get bemrose.com there's a bounty out now. So somebody in the troll room is going to go check and be like, Oh, it, it, it was open five minutes ago. Right. And now it's mine. <laughs> I just registered it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And here you can have it for $10,000. Like, eh. and you're like, we don't have that kind of money yet. Although maybe yeah. if you, were- I, I, you know what? I tell you what, I, we will credit you for a 10,000 donation. If you go get Bemrose.com <laughs> and donate it to the show. That sounds fair. I mean, maybe a little overpricing it, but I mean, I don't know if that's going to drag in uh, so much traffic, but I mean, you never know. I, I, I don't know. But it's all gambling. I, I, it's all gambling. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. That wouldn't be the first time. Carblane says it's for sale right now. Yeah, I think I gave up on it a while ago. It's okay. See, now I have to. But I do know, I do know for about 10 years after the, the Bemrose publishing brand was gone, they continued to renew the damn thing. You're like, why? Why are you not renewing? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. It just says try to buy. Yeah. So Gene says I could have changed my name. Yeah. They could have changed their name too. Yeah. You can get Bemrose.xyz for 99 cents. Well, way back in the day, I picked up Bemrose.us, which is what I've been using forever. And the only problem I have with it is all of the freaking, you know, novice boomers who are like, so is that Bemrose.us.com? Because, every, you know, at the time it was just assumed everything on the internet ends in .com. Well, no, it doesn't. Yeah. You can get Bemrose.monster. I mean, there's, there's a good name. Bemrose Club. Bemrose Best. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. There you go. Bemrose Info. I mean, there's so many Bemrose names you can have. This. Yeah, I, I, I already I have all the Bemrose names I want. Just one. I'm, yeah, it is listed I, for sale, though. I'm I, not greedy. That is now at Bemrose.com. Submit an inquiry to the seller. So that's the now what the grumpy old Ben's fans need to do. If they can procure Bemrose.com, <laughs> you will be given a grumpy old Ben's prize pack of uh, of unequal value. Yeah. We'll, we'll come up with something. Another story we had in the tech realm is Google will soon allow gambling apps in the U.S. Play Store. How do you feel about that? Cool. <laughs> it's just like, I okay, a- I can gamble at home now. Who needs to go no, to Vegas? I, I wouldn't use it. You know what? I, I've never even been to Vegas or had any. I've never had any particular desire to. I think I've been in a casino three times in my life, which is funny because I live 
within 10 miles of three different casinos on two different uh, Native American reservations. Because, of course, you can't make a casino uh, according to the state laws, but state laws don't really apply to the reservations. Right. Uh, so I have lots of opportunities and I know and understand enough mathematics and economics to know that the house makes money, which means statistically I'm not going to win. And um, a lot of people say, well, it's not about winning. It's about the experience. I'm like, well, yeah, but if I want the experience of losing money, I've got so many other ways I can do it. You could be a podcaster. Yeah. There's no, only fans. I mean, <laughs> right. Okay. So how much? Okay. I want to, I'm just now I'm thinking, thinking that if you had an only fans page, you're now saying, that you would lose money. How do you lose money on an OnlyFans page? That you have to pay people to view your content. Well, the, the best way is to lose money on other people's OnlyFans pages. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes that makes a whole lot more sense. But I, I could also, I mean, if I put up pictures of myself, I could, I mean, I'd lo- I could lose money on all of the investment of the the camera because I don't have a webcam, and well, that might be it. But then you know that would be offset by how many people want pictures of me. I mean, you said nobody even wanted to take a uh, selfie with you at the meetup. I was kind of surprised. You said Billy Bones was there? Yeah, he was there. Man, was he a bigger draw? I mean, were people like, oh, you're that walk through the mind guy. And oh, just- he was. He, he was. Well, he was way more interesting to talk to. Uh, well, I mean, he was he had all the chicks at his table and they were they had a rousing discussion. Lots of laughter. Uh, Dave Bemrose was over there. I got stuck at the <laughs> so- table with the Bitcoin guy. Oh, and you're like, I can't get it. I can't. I I understand now. You're like sitting there with one guy talking mathematical theory and everybody else is like, dude, have a beer. We we were we were talking Robin Hood and Reddit. Which was fascinating, but let's just say there was there was fewer a lot less porn involved, I think. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I've been to Vegas a few times and I enjoyed going to Vegas because they have good restaurants. And they have really nice hotel accommodations for cheap. And I understand how it all works, but that was. It's real cheap right now. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's, uh, they're hurting. There's no question about it with the amount of hotel rooms that are in Vegas with all of these conventions for all sorts of businesses that have been canceled now that, uh, I'm assuming you're going to be able to get some good rates for. I mean, I thought I saw something the other day. Chicago to Florida. I forget which city it was. I don't think it was Orlando. It was one of maybe uh, one of the other areas of Florida from Chicago, though, was I think sixty six dollars round trip like on Southwest. I mean, it was just crazy cheap. And Vegas, I mean, you can get nice accommodations. That's what I go for. Now, if you're going to gamble, yes, you're going to lose money. But I don't have a gambling problem. So if I walk into it going, hey, we're going to be here for five days and I can lose up to, you know, 200 bucks a day whatever you set aside it's like yeah once that's done, that, it's done. If, if you are going to gamble that's the way to do it is you just go in with a budget ahead of time knowing you know this is how much money i'm going to lose on gambling and i'm going to call it entertainment costs yes that's a that's a very reasonable way to do it it is if you and go in thinking i'm going to make money then you're you're setting up for disappointment yeah unless you're a professional guy who knows how to play poker and there's some of them that can do that i'm yeah, not or, or count cards <laughs> right and then you may have your legs broken in a a shady back alley uh so i don't really gamble a lot but i'm not anti-gambling and i will say when we walked into vegas the first time we stayed at uh, what was then called, I think, the hotel at Mandalay Bay, but it's now the uh, Delano. 
which is the it's connected to Mandalay Bay, you know, where the, where the big shooting was a couple of years ago. But it's the it's the uh, yeah, yeah, that's a claim to fame. That's that's what they want to put in their, <laughs> yes. their brochures. Well, it depends. I mean, some people would like that. Some wouldn't. But this is the hotel that's attached to its same ownership. But it is the little bit higher end version of, you know, the, the Mandalay Bay and really, really nice rooms and really cheap if you go at the right time and know how to book the deals and all that. But walking into these hotels for the first time, because then we stayed at the Venetian the one time and you walk into these hotels and you're like. You're doing the math of what it costs to build these things. And you're like, yeah, where does all this money come from again? And that's like, oh, wait, from people gambling. Yeah. And, and that's exactly the math that I do. It, like I I've done the, the occasional poker game with my friends or something, the one where, you know, it's zero sum and therefore you have at least an even chance of coming out ahead. And you know, that's great. But then you look at, okay, the, the house has to win because they have to keep the lights on and keep all of this glitter shining. And yeah, so that is a you, lot of glitter. Yeah, it is. And I get it. And I'm not against gambling either. Uh, like I said, I understand statistics and mathematics enough to, well, well, I mean, it kind of kills the entertainment value and it makes it, it gives me a crystal clear idea of the probability of losing my money. And I, I don't, I, I, I understand this is true. Of some people, but I don't find entertainment value in losing money. So <laughs> I don't gamble. I don't go to casinos. That's fine. But you know what? Your, your original question, what do I think about a, a gambling app on the Google store? I'm all for it because I I am far more against censoring things based on content than I am about, uh, you know, trying to protect people from their own personal decisions. Yeah. And there has been a swing in the direction of accepting gambling which is why i find it hilarious that major league baseball still has a problem with pete rose while their main business model seems to be uh, major league baseball has a lot more problems than that well yeah well because their main thing now is like hey go on to and that's one of these apps they were talking about these sports gaming um these sports gaming apps where you can go in and uh you know I, i'm all for i'm like you said i believe that things like this shouldn't be censored that adults should be allowed to do whatever they want but this is definitely opening things up. Now, I've never gone to one of the casinos here in Illinois. We've never driven, you know, to Wisconsin or or Michigan to go to a casino. The only time I've ever gone to a casino was in Vegas. And we went to one Indian casino once years ago in Minneapolis. So it's like I'm not looking to gamble. I can see where this is just going to make it easier. Although I guess as we've talked about is it any different than the Robin Hood app at this point, being able to bet on sports? Yeah. Yeah. Betting betting on sports and playing slots in Vegas can't be much more dangerous financially than playing the stock market right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right about that. So uh, it's just interesting to see you know, this stuff kind of you, slide in that direction of, oh, gambling's bad. Gambling's bad. Can't do it. And we this goes back. We're old enough. To remember when the only places you could gamble were a few Indian casinos. Otherwise, it was Atlantic City yeah. or Vegas. Yeah. And when, I mean, well, I mean, I, I grew up near the reservations and we always knew that if you want to gamble, it's on the reservation. Same as if you want to get fireworks, because for some reason, I mean, like you can get sparklers 
in in the the stands that pop up on the corner but you can't get anything that goes boom and you can't get anything interesting but if you want something interesting you go to the reservation because they sell sticks of dynamite in a colorful wrapper and those are fun <laughs> oh yeah sir gene it was mystic lake back before mystic lake was redone it was like a whole when we were there in Minneapolis, but uh, you know, the same thing as a kid going into like the, yeah. you can go into like the five and dimes and buy, like you said, the little snakes, you know, the little things that just kind of yeah. like burned and those- like the thing. Yeah. You set something on fire and it, it fills the neighborhood with smoke and you're like, well, that was exciting, but now I can't see anything else. Right. And it didn't go boom. It didn't go boom. We wanted stuff that went boom. And, yeah. And that was always a thing. Yeah. We, we, we had those. You could always get those on the, the, at the corner gas station, but that wasn't what we wanted. No, we you wanted to blow to get things up. Stuff. You were more of a cherry yeah. bomb kid. You were like throwing them down oh, the yeah, toilets yeah. at school and you were doing bad things. I could tell. Yeah. The, the bottle rocket that went in the open kitchen window while my mom was working <laughs> there, that, that got me a, a little bit of heat. So you're not supposed <laughs> to do that into your own house. You were doing I this. know. I was aiming for the, uh, it fell over. I was actually aiming. Actually, believe it or not, I was aiming to I've got I had a neighbor that that was a good friend of mine who lived about four houses over and I was trying to angle it so that it ended up landing on his house. Okay, so you were trying to your your good friend. You were trying to burn down his house. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't want to be your friend anymore. This is not you never have. This is not a healthy situation. The one thing I'll tell you about an app like this, though, is the I, I imagine they've got lawyers taking care of this, but the web of laws. Even if public acceptance of gambling has been increasing, laws change very, very, very slowly, especially when legislatures have more important things to do, like, uh, you know, praising BLM and and making sure to promote riots that burn down the cities. Um, The web of laws around the gambling is at least around here is really frightening. Um, So I. I guess what I'm saying is if somebody is putting an app up on Google, then, you know, there is some locality, some county or state or municipality somewhere that that app will be found to be illegal and there will be a massive lawsuit and we'll we'll hear more stories about it. Well, which is the interesting thing with all of this stuff we're talking about. There was another story. We don't really need to get into it, but in regards to piracy again, which was guys in Russia doing it who were like. The the record labels are trying to sue them in the United States, and they're like, no, no, sue us in Russia, because this whole concept of jurisdiction now is getting harder and harder. If you're going to put a gambling app out there, it's really hard to be like, well, if there's one state in the union that says you can't, this is an illegal app. Well, what do yeah. you do? <laughs> you know, it's uh, because for all of their power, not even Google has the ability to actually prevent you from getting access to it like if if something is illegal and illegal in illinois they can't really prevent you from downloading it if nothing else you got your vpn right which is what i've had to use oddly enough i remember being on vacation with my parents and my mom likes to play the illinois lottery you know the pick three and pick four and you can do this weekly or whatever it is and you can do it online now so you don't have to go in to do your gambling you can just spend your 10 bucks and you get the virtual tickets. But I remember we were in Florida. It had to be. And she's like, oh, can you do this? And you go in. And because you're in Florida, it's like, well, you're not eligible to to buy these lottery tickets. It's, even though we live in Illinois, we're Illinois residents. You weren't able to do that, you know, until 
you I remote desktoped into my computer at the time. You didn't need a crazy VPN. I could just remote desktop in. Now I'm now I'm looking like I'm in Illinois, but this is going to be the issue because right now with most of these states, I think that's the way it is. So if there's a really big lottery and whichever state it may be that you have to then use, I guess, a VPN to be able to go in and fool them into thinking you live in that area in order to get the ticket. No, I don't know if there's anything, you know, done after if you win, but I guess that's a whole different problem to have if you if you do win. But I just thought that was kind of odd. Like, okay, you already had an existing account. The credit card had a billing address for the state of Illinois, but it was still giving a problem. I would think if your credit card is registered in a state, although I guess you know, the reality is you could drive over the border when these before Illinois, they were late to the game. And some of these big lottery conglomerates where a bunch of states get together and people all the time used to drive into Indiana or Wisconsin to buy the lottery tickets. And that was absolutely legal. So I don't know. There was no when it came to that, there was no rule that said you had to have residence in whichever state in order to be able to buy the ticket. So I don't even understand why that would be the case online but rules regulation laws nobody said that all of these things have to make a whole lot of sense because if they do then what would all the lawyers do what would all the lawyers do how would they make their money i don't know that would probably not be good uh, but hey you know what if people want to gamble you know if you're going to make bad decisions i mean i guess why not do them in a gloriously huge manner but just don't ask me to bail you out (laughs) you you can't call yourself a libertarian if you don't fully support people's right to make their own bad decisions yeah just don't ask me to bail you out though if if you end up losing all your money well if you are a libertarian you generally don't want to be bailing people out for their bad decisions either that's true that is true and that is i mean how do we get a libertarian movement going in the united states for people that are just like it's very difficult uh, I, I, I think I brought this up before, but I, it really sunk in well with me. The categories on any recent that Larry show that he divided the people of the world into, he said, uh, there, there are three categories and I'm going to, I'm going to screw up what he called them. But, uh, the first category was the id gaffs. They are the, I don't give a fuck. They don't care. They, you can do whatever they, they exist. There's a bunch of people like that. The second category is the uh uh leave me the hell alone right right and uh those are i mean those are your libertarians for example um and then the third one is uh what larry called uh assholes seeking to control other people (laughs) and yeah the, the problem is you know the the first group they don't care you can do whatever it's fine but the the people who want to be left alone and the people who want to control other people, those are two irreconcilable groups. You, they can't both have what they want. Right. And uh, the the libertarians fall firmly into the category of uh, leave me the hell alone. Um, so, it's you know, how how do you how do you justify? Well, uh, government intervention is pretty much uh, driven entirely by wanting to control other people. Because you know better. You can tell people what to do. We like to call those people Democrats. 
you, you know, I might know better, but I'm not so arrogant and presumptuous as to tell you that you have to follow what I say. You're right. Everybody uh, should okay, have the, I, the choice. I mean, I'll tell you, you should follow what I say. I am at least that arrogant and presumptuous, but I'm not going to tell you you have to. Exactly. I won't try to force you to do it. No. As, again, as long as you don't ask, get asked to bail somebody out on the other side of it. You know, somebody that's like, no, dude, I'm going to put I'm going to put all I got like 40,000 in the bank. I'm going to put all of it in a GameStop. It's going to be awesome. Oh, shit. I don't yeah. got no money now, man. Can you, can you give me a few bucks? I mean, I remember having this argument when I was 10 years old and said <laughs> you were a weird. Kid. Well, when, no, when when uh, do you remember it was uh, what, 90, 92, 93, when uh, the national motorcycle helmet law started getting debated? Right, right. Should and, you wear the, a helmet? The big, yeah. The big question was always, why should people be forced at gunpoint to uh, do something that nobody will be hurt but themselves? And uh, the, my argument was, if somebody is dumb enough to ride a motorcycle without a helmet and they turn themselves into a, a meat crayon on the road, <laughs> then, uh, okay, I mean problem solution and who else is harmed why why is this important to society and the response i always got was well because we still have to pay their health care costs not if Which they're dead well <laughs> that much is true but unfortunately it's possible to survive that and 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 the assumption built into that argument is the idea that like i guess what always didn't work for me was why do we have to pay somebody else's health care costs when they make a bad decision? Right. In fact, why do I have to pay someone else's health care costs? Period. Obamacare. Like, why, why can't I just pay my own? Right. But uh, that, that was that was the point where I realized that I was not a good socialist. No, you're not a good socialist because you don't want to foot the bill for somebody else. And that makes sense if you're logical, which is the problem when you can now indoctrinate children into socialism at the from the time they're in kindergarten up through college and you just push this into their head. Of course, they come out thinking these things. Yes. Yes. See this hammer and sickle. That's a symbol for fun. Yes. Yeah. You know, you should never have to work. You should be able to have everything provided for you. You should be able to smoke weed, fornicate, drink beer all day long and never have a job. I mean. That's socialism. That's <laughs> like, that sounds great. Until, I, I mean, I mean, I should <laughs> until you realize. Yeah. Until you realize the reality. And I keep saying the same thing but over and there, over. There are consequences to doing that, but I totally support your right to drink beer and fornicate all day long. Yes. Sounds like a good weekend. <laughs> it does. Uh, it depends. Like I said before, and I know it's repetitive. Everybody thinks socialism is they get to be Kim and Kanye, that they get to be the rich and famous and do whatever they want and fly around first class and eat the best foods and drink the best booze and smoke the best weed. The reality yep. of socialism is you're not even the guy cleaning the floors for Kim and Kanye. And uh, it's not a good gig. Oh, no, you're, you're probably the guy cleaning the floors for the guy who cleans the floors for right. Kim and Kanye. Right. That's how far down the level. The levels uh, you are the the story of celebrity is always one of survivorship bias. It it doesn't matter if you're you know, if you're a celebrity for being in Hollywood or you're a celebrity or you look at uh, the the rock stars who, you know, the the recording companies will will sign uh, 10,000 new bands every year. Uh, I, I don't think it's that much, but 
but then three of them make it big and the rest of them all go home penniless. Um, yeah. you, you people go to Hollywood seeking their fame and fortune. And uh, for every one that turns into Will Smith, there's, you know, 5,000 that go away with nothing and end up, you know, taking a job in a, at a car wash, trying to make ends meet it. But the story of the guy who tried to make it big in Hollywood didn't make it and is now selling insurance is far less interesting than this guy story of the guy who went to Hollywood, made it big and is now uh, a you know millionaire. So those are the stories we tell. And it's a type of survivorship bias that leads to celebrity worship. Everybody looks at, okay, these celebrities have it great. So I could do the same thing. And, on the you know that's the american dream that we were talking about earlier but it also you just have to know that it doesn't happen to everybody and in fact it almost it happens to almost nobody and that usually comes to mind once they're out of college and they realize that they actually have to get a job yeah, maybe if college taught people anything right well the, it's actually more detrimental i believe than not i mean i think there was a time where the concept is, well, you get an education that will prepare you to exist in the adult world. I do believe that is doing the opposite now, that your education is holding you back. And I think most people now, if you're into anything, and that was one of the things we talked about on Who Are These Podcasts, was the woman that was being interviewed had set up a thing to teach computers to the african-american students because you know yeah yeah. because because i don't want my kids to to look at the programmers out there and think none of them look like me right so we we set up a camp where african-american kids can learn to code (laughs) you know and that's great but when she's like oh kids that look my like mine don't have those opportunities it's like that's just really racist (laughs) to be like no black (laughs) also not fucking true no it's well it's also not true I mean, when was the last time you were on GitHub and were like, I'm not going to download this code because I think the person was black. First of all, you have no freaking idea what color they are. People don't put profile pics on GitHub. No. And that was exactly (laughs) what uh, Crows on uh, Who Are These Podcasts said, which is like, you can buy a Raspberry Pi. You know, I think he said for like 40 bucks. I mean, okay, you get the whole thing together with everything you need. Maybe it's more like 80 bucks, but still you have the ability then to learn how to program. There's this Internet thing. That allows people to learn almost anything now. I mean, sure, there's some really crappy tutorials on YouTube for everything, but there's also some really good ones. And there's a lot of people willing to give their time to explain and teach people all sorts of things that you don't even have yeah. to pay for. As long as you have an Look internet what we're doing right now, we're we doing are that. giving our time to teach people things and also ranting about it. Yes, that's exactly what's going on. And you're able to get this program and listen to this absolutely for nothing. As long as you have an internet connection or, you, or, you know, you have a friend that could get you the goods and yes. download the stuff and hook you up. I feel like we've started to ramble. We should probably get to an ex- some experts before this show turns into abs in a six pack. We <laughs> damn you're blasting Chris. That's that's rude, oh. man. Well, that's because he won't have me on his show. Oh, well, that's, yeah, I can't blame him for that. Carl over at Who Are These Podcasts the same way. I'm like, you know, you should really have Ryan on. And he's like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, there's 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 a line. But this is a very lucky day for everybody on Patreon. Because, and we're very lucky to have Patreon because they're the only things that came in today. I mean, Friday was a really good day, but no, nothing else came in. 
over the weekend. So the fan of that Larry show, I'm pretty sure that uh, that's the reason he's listening to us. Brian Ganak with his $10 monthly Patreon getting an executive producer credit on today's grumpy old Ben's. Get them while they're cheap. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. You want to get in on the ground floor. We are the GameStop of podcasting. We're worthless right now, but if you get in on the game floor and artificially inflate our value, we too can uh, we can we can pay off, or we could just take your money and run. I mean, that's really kind of like what the stock market does. So thank you, <laughs> yeah, Brian, pretty much for uh, for for being there. Thank you for listening to that Larry show. Because uh, Larry is a great dude. And thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Ben's, as well as the rest of the folks on Patreon, including Steve E., who's been around longer than anybody else on Patreon. And he comes in with checks every now and then as well. We appreciate him. We have Rabbit of Carbong, which is also Airport Pooper, which is what is it, Dame Ashley? Is it? Uh, I may be getting that wrong, but. Uh, I, I I'm I'm not going to correct you in case I get it wrong. <laughs> if we could both if, get if, it wrong, if one of us has to be wrong, I'm willing to let it be you. Thank you, uh, Stephen McConnell, and then two new names on this month: Dennis Woods and Christopher Balderrama. They're all over on Patreon. One of the ways that you can help support Grumpy Old Ben's. We don't really post extra content there, although maybe I should post the the extra bonus episode the aborted episode the the one that created well, you, all the you already posted that on the more important social network yeah on no agenda social which you can get to by going to grumpy old ben's slash nas that'll get you an invite right now they're in short supply though besides nobody really wants to hear uh, uh, random unfounded conspiracy theories and and me dragging the show off the rails that's not what people come here to listen to sometimes it it is i don't know it depends (laughs) they want weird things i mean that's why they that's why so many people clicked on onlyfans.com slash grumpy old ben's like oh really we can see that what oh oh no it's not there they were disappointed but we do work on the value for value model as learned by John C. Dvorak, Adam Curry on the No Agenda podcast, which is we do these shows. We put them out there. We don't charge you anything up front for them. We just say, hey, you listen, you consume and whatever value you got out of these shows. I mean, maybe you laughed, maybe you cried, maybe you went, wow, these guys are stupid. So you feel superior. Maybe you got something out of the show. It doesn't matter what it is. What was that worth to you? You go to grumpyoldbens.com. And you click that donate button and you do a one-time donation or a monthly donation through PayPal. You use the QR code or the wallet address and do the Bitcoin thing. Or you use the snail mail P.O. box address to, one, help Uncle Sam and the USPS survive by buying a stamp. Or you don't even have to buy the stamp if you go just into your bank and set up a recurring payment or a one-time payment. Your bank will even buy the stamp and the envelope for you. Either way, we get the donation you help support the show. We keep doing shows. Ben Rose keeps ranting. One day he might get a better microphone. And really, wouldn't it be funny? He gets a better microphone. And all of a sudden he does sound like James Earl Jones. And it was like, wow, it was just the microphone. Yeah. Just the microphone actually is is filtering my voice wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Although Sir Matthew has that same microphone. He sounds really good. Now, he doesn't have this one. He's never been in my house. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> he it's, must be. You don't dope. know what he does. I'm still. He, he could be one of those uh, three-letter. <laughs> what what he does instead of making maps with Matt? You mean? Yes, he might be one of those three-letter agency guys who just sneaks into your house while you sleep to uh, feed your cat and see what's going on. Yeah, the cat. I, I, I'd like to think that the cat would meow very loudly, but 
No, I mean, uh, but it's, it's Matt Chu, so they'd be like, oh, yeah. he's the cat's probably like, this guy smells like maple syrup. He's okay. Oh. <laughs> Actually, it's maple syrup Maybe. and weed. Uh, that, 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 that sounds like a winning combination to me. It could be. Did you have any more stories? What do you got to set um, us off on a Monday? I've got, I, I've got, uh, did you know that Facebook is politically biased, according to Aiken Ola, who is a reporter? Uh, he, uh, he writes for the Guardian. Um, he is, quote, a Nigerian American political strategist and organizer. He is also the host of a podcast. What a surprise. Um, and uh, in the Guardian, uh, he wrote that uh, in response to the fascist riot at the U.S. Capitol, Facebook engaged in a flurry of dangerous and misguided corporate authoritarianism. I, along with a number of other left wing organizers, were deemed a threat to the inauguration of Joe Biden and silenced. Um, <laughs> he uh, he says that Facebook has a dangerous individuals and organizations policy aimed at removing the presence of far right extremists. But it has also struck at left wing organizations seeming to accept Trump's post Charlottesville both sides moral equivalency with little thought of Facebook are all right. According to this writer for The Guardian. That's being so far off the ranch that uh, you can't even <laughs> see it anymore. Uh, well, I, you know, I actually can see where this is coming from, and it is uh, somebody who is, it, it, I mean, obviously, clearly on the left. He he admits he's on the left. He knows he's on the left. Um, Facebook is being authoritarian, which is orthogonal mostly to the left right. Now, in today's politics. It seems to be the left that are engaged in most of the authoritarianism, but uh, the as we've said before, the left eats itself, and the moment that they don't have an enemy to unite behind, they all start sniping at each other, and this looks like one part of the left is now sniping at another part of the left, which is, from a schadenfreude perspective, uh, is hilarious, and I love it, but yeah, Facebook are being authoritarian and uh i just thought i'd give you a little peek into dimension b where some of the people who are on the far left side of the spectrum are looking at this and saying why are you banning us right we want you to ban them because they're bad but why are you banning us we don't understand exactly why are the rules why are you doing this for both sides now i thought we were just going to shut those guys up which is the mantra that you're getting on the mainstream media right now, MSNBC, MSNBC, CNN, that is the mantra. It's not just we beat Trump. Yay. Joe Biden's president. Yay. There's a lot of talk yeah, like because well, there we, is no we. Well, that's true. But they're like, well, we can't reprogram these Trump people. What do we do with these dangerous Trump people? We should we should go after all of these Trump people. And it's like, you know, that's just the other side of the yeah. political aisle trying to make the other side the other viewpoint illegal do you not understand where that leads but they're too stupid to and and i guess the question is in in today's political landscape who's wearing the jackboots and the answer is pretty much everybody with the power to do so which is uh, anybody that owns a social media company which yeah, is that, that's uh, a big one which is uh you know i don't think they should be they they put themselves in a really bad corner now by being the arbiters of what they're going to allow 
and what they aren't because they've now unleashed the proverbial Pandora's box. Because what do you do now? I mean, you use this pretty heavy handedly. As we mentioned, I think in the last episode, now the Washington Post is like, yeah, we don't have to track Biden's lies. Well, you know, Facebook, you've in Twitter, you've all put yourself up now for, well, we can do this. We can censor what we don't want to do it now. We like this guy talking now. It doesn't matter how crazy he is. We're just going to allow it. But everybody else is now pointing like, well, you did it to this guy. I tell yeah. You. I did. If, if they care about logical consistency in their censorship policies, then uh, that's it's a hard problem. In fact, I would say it's intractable because the only logically fully logically consistent position you can take on censorship is freedom of speech. Yeah. Well, actually there is one other and that is no content. Zero content. Like but, I said, turn the internet off. It's hard to off. run a social network that way. Turn the internet off. Pull the yeah, plug. Well, I mean that would be logically consistent, but freedom of speech is boolean if you if you the only two logically consistent positions are you allow everything or you shut down everything because the moment that you try to draw a line the fact that different humans have different perspectives means that you're going to get it wrong somewhere hey i couldn't have said it better myself i know <laughs> with that said <laughs> i think that's a great place to cut it that is a great place to cut it and we'll be back on friday to do this thing all over again noon eastern if you want to join us live noagendastream.com or crumpyoldbens.com there's a player embedded right in the site if you don't know how to uh, get the no agenda stream address into your local audio player you can go to noagendastream.com and get that information as well but we'll be back friday to do this thing again and uh, i'm sure ryan will say something crazy then and i will agree or disagree you can count on it we can count on it yes and you may even hear a cat in the background you never know. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where, thank God, it's not snowing anymore. And from America's left coast, where the real Nazis are already inside your phone. I'm Ryan Bumrose. Oh, sorry. I got a little premature there. Oops, now I got a requeue. This is not a professional Pre- Premature show. dialing. Yeah, this is not a professional show. 